Praise the Lord, everyone. Have you noticed when the youth pastor does announcements, it goes off the rails sometimes? You hear a lot of youth announcements. Did you, did you notice that? We're so thankful our youth ministry is gearing up and doing a lot of stuff, and I'm, I'm happy to have it back in motion. Amen. Good to see them all here tonight. Praise the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Also, this coming Sunday, uh, Evangelist Tess Stewart will be with us. You're going to be blessed. Um, you, uh, he's been with us once before. You may not recognize the name, but you'll certainly recognize him and his ministry when you see him. Uh, just a comforting, calming, reassuring word of faith. You're going to be very blessed. So I encourage you to be here for that and invite someone. Had a great Mother's Day and a good turnout. I dedicated a bunch of babies, had a lot of visitors, and uh, it was good to feel the presence of the Lord and be here. And it's good to see you tonight. Here in the presence of the Lord, all of you online, thank you for joining us and taking time to be with us. Amen. I want to resume our lesson tonight, our series on the Christian walk. The Christian walk. <clears throat> last night we talked about being, or last week we talked about being prepared. And tonight I want to talk to you about trail markers. Amen. I want to talk to you about trail markers tonight. You know, uh, we hike a lot around Austin out of necessity. Uh, there's a lot of trails around here, a lot of really nice trails. But I prefer absolute wilderness. I want to go where there's no cell service, where there's nothing, where I've never been before, where I don't know what's around the next corner. Um, we, we went on a new trail uh, Monday, and it was here in town, but it was a new trail. And the trail took this turn, and then there was this barricade that said, Danger, do not enter. And it was just like a, a call. It, it was like a clarion call that said, come inside, cross that fence. Um, and I could see where others had crossed the fence. And so that's my way of doing it. But, you know, there's nothing quite like being lost on a trail, uh, particularly if you're on one of those trails where there is no cell service or there you haven't been before. We've never really been lost. Uh, we've gotten off the trail a time or two. Uh, but we've never, never really been truly lost, in my estimation. Uh, we still had calories and strength. We, we would get back, you know, uh, eventually. Uh, someone would come find us, so we've never really been lost. But, you know, on a good trail, there's generally indicators. There's these clear trail markers that show you, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're getting off the trail, or they help you find the trail, and where the trail is well-traveled, of course, it's obvious. It looks like a highway. You know, millions of people have been there before you have. And you don't really need the markers. But there are places where you do need trail markers. There's places, for whatever reason, the trail is not quite recognizable. There may be times when you have a water crossing. There's many times we do that. You cross a creek or a stream or something, and you have no idea where the trail is. And so instantly you just start scanning the other bank, and you're looking for a marker. You're looking for a color-coded tag. You're looking for something, just some sort of indicator. Sometimes there are situations where many trails kind of diverge in one place, and there's three or four different directions you can go, and you're not quite sure which, which way you should go. Or there's sometimes, perhaps, when even a trail would go across a place where there are no markings, like in particularly hill country trails, Sometimes you'll come to a large stone area, solid stone, where you don't know where the trail goes. I remember climbing up one sort of, you know, we don't, we, we, here in the hill country we call them mountains. They're not really mountains, but those hills. Um, one solid stone, you get to the top and you have no idea where to go because the trail has disappeared. 
Well, in those cases, you're looking for markers. You're looking for something to help you figure out if you're still where you need to be. And when it doesn't look like a trail, the markers tell you this is still a trail. And so you have to put a certain amount of faith. Now, I've often wanted to sneak out at night and rearrange the markers, but you have to put a certain amount of faith in whoever put these markers up that they're not tricking you and that you have to sometimes just blindly go, okay, I'm going to go to that little blue tag on that tree. And when I get there, I'm trusting that there's another tag on a tree. Uh, I remember one time we got, well, we weren't really lost. We were just kind of off the trail. And there's this one trail. It's one of my favorite trails. It's called Dogleg Canyon Trail. And the reason for it is that the, a lot of these hill country trails, the trails follow these little canyons. So they're zigging and they're zagging and they're following a creek bed or something. And, and this trail uh, actually was following one of these little canyons. And literally the trail was doing this big sort of U-turn to the right. But it wasn't apparent because the trail marker was around the corner. So you would have to do like a 180 to turn around to see the trail marker. So we didn't see it. So what did we do? We just kept going straight. And uh, we wandered and blundered and all because sometimes the markers are not as clear. And sometimes you think you're on a trail and you think you're headed in the right direction, but you are as far from headed in the right direction as you can be. It's at that moment that my wife starts to panic and it turns away from being a very enjoyable day. It's a very unenjoyable day. I will tell you this, though, about my wife and hiking. She is an expert at mountain lions. So if you ever want to go tracking mountain lions, my wife knows their paw prints. She knows other things that they leave. And she will help you stay out of the danger of mountain lions. So we'll talk about that next week. Amen. You know, the Christian walk is a lot like this sometimes, too, because sometimes it's hard to know if you're on the trail. Sometimes as you're walking on the trail, life just sort of overwhelms you. And what you think is a trail, what you think is the Christian life, suddenly has no resemblance to what you thought the Christian life was supposed to be like. Circumstances sometimes come over us and things that we have cherished, things that we've held to, whether it's our convictions or our beliefs or our confidence in other people, confidence even in the church. Circumstances can take and just wash out that, that, that clearly recognizable norm that you're used to seeing. Personal tragedies, things that you have trusted let you down, things seemingly just crumble literally under your feet as you're living for God. Out of nowhere, it seems that things begin to just sort of just slide out of your hands and you find yourself sometimes in this situation where you don't know what the Christian walk looks like anymore because it doesn't look like what it has been looking like. Sometimes it gets cloudy. Sometimes it gets dark. You live for God any amount of time. You know this to be true. There's times where our, our walk with God doesn't look like what we thought it would look like. We came into church. God changed our life. We're among all these other people whose lives have been changed. And, and, and we have this idea that it's always going to be a certain kind of way. And it's always going to be very clearly marked. And it's always going to be very obvious where we're going. And then suddenly we find ourselves in a place of despondency and discouragement. And we have no direction whatsoever for our lives. We wind up there sometimes. And if you haven't, you will. And what we thought was true, now we're uncertain about what we thought was the way, we're not quite certain of that anymore. 
And sometimes when it comes to our relationships, our families, our circumstances of our personal lives, and things begin to unravel and we have no idea where we are. Have you been there? We've all been there. You, you sometimes find yourselves with more questions than answers. I mean, you ought to have this experience being a pastor. Seriously, Sunday's coming, but you have no idea what's going on in your own life, much less the life of somebody else. You find yourself in these places and you're, you're, you're looking everywhere for something that is an indicator that, hey, that we're on the same trail. And sometimes it's not there. Have we missed the will of God? Do you ever ask that question? Have I just totally missed it? You've prayed, you've sought God, you've sought counsel, you've stepped out by faith, you're doing something ambitious for God, you're doing something ambitious in your life, and then you just wonder, am I even in the will of God? Where, where am I and where am I going? We've all been there. We've been there repeatedly. And sometimes the trail no longer looks like the trail, and you have no clue. But I want to show you the, the Christian walk has some very clear markers for when you lose your way. And I want to talk about those markers tonight. Here's the first rule. Here's the number one thing. You're going to get off track sometime, but here's the number one thing is stay on the trail. Now, I like to go off the trail. But my wife doesn't like to go off the trail. Because she thinks that as long as we're on the trail, the critters don't come on the trail. But the moment you leave the trail, that the critters know you're off the trail and you'll get a visitation. And I'm trying to explain, they don't know the difference. And so I want to go explore, why doesn't the trail go over here? I mean, who decided the trail ought to go here? I mean, was that the easy route? I mean, was that the lazy route? I, what's over this hill? And I'm constantly just, and I'll tell her, I really want to know what's over there. The number one rule in the Christian walk is stay on the trail. You're going to lose it eventually trying your very hardest, but there's no reason wandering off the trail. Stay in the middle of it. Stay on the beaten path. Stay where everyone else is. Walk where the other believers are walking. We've all wandered off at times, but don't let curiosity draw you away from what you know to be what God has called you to do. And don't let curiosity draw you away from the known path that the church is walking down, the traveled path, the well-traveled path that our forefathers and our foremothers have walked down for centuries. Just keep walking in it. You may get bored with it at times. It's okay. I like technical climbs. I like scrambling. I like crawling on all fours up the side of a cliff. But sometimes you just get on a boring part of a trail. Well, it's still the trail. You've got to still walk it. And the number one rule about not getting lost is just stay on the trail. Don't be wandering off. Don't be experimenting. Don't be negotiating with convictions or theological beliefs or, or, or consecrations that you've made with the Lord. The, the Bible in the Old Testament, there's this, there's this saying talking about, it's really talking about property rights and landmarks and all this stuff. And it says, don't remove the ancient landmarks, the boundaries, the property lines. Don't move them. In other words, there are people that have come here before us and they've laid out the territory. 
There's people that have walked this way before and they figured some things out. Stay on the path. Stay in the fellowship. Amen. It may look more appealing, but there's a reason why the Christian walk doesn't go some places. I wish I could get all new converts and young people and our young adults to just grasp this. There's certain reasons why the trail doesn't go in those places. Well, why can't we? Why don't we? We should. Everybody else is doing it. Yes, but there's danger over there. And not only is there danger, but if you go this way, then you're no longer going this way. And this way is where God's called us to go. Just stay on the trail. There are things that have been determined by the Word of God. There, there's a direction in which we ought to be heading, and we need to stay faithful to it. And in times of trial, sometimes people begin to compromise. They begin to negotiate. They begin to, 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 to whittle down things. And, and before long, they're totally lost and have no idea why they got lost. It's because they got off the trail. Don't willfully. You're going to get confused and bewildered at times just trying your best. Don't on purpose leave the ways of God. Don't on purpose leave the fellowship of the church. Don't on purpose walk away from being connected and being bonded with what God's called you to. Stay on the trail. Don't wander off. Don't let curiosity get the best of you. Stay where God's called you to. Amen. But you know, there are times... Even when we're doing that. I mean, you're, you're the folks that are here on Wednesday nights. You know this. There are times when we do that. And we still look up and we wonder, where in the world am I? Right? You're living for God. You're serving. You're doing the best you can. You're, 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 you know, you're, you haven't changed anything. Your commitments, your consecrations. And yet it's still foggy. And yet it's like you can't see. You don't know. You can't see which way the path is going. Is there anything around here that identifies that I'm even on the right path? Well, actually, there are some things. I want to talk to you about those tonight. And I want to challenge you in those moments. In those moments where you're not sure. I want you to think back to this moment right here tonight and to begin to ask yourself, are there any signs? Are there any evidences? Are there any markers that I'm headed in the right direction? Are, are there anything? First of all, look beneath your feet. Is there, are, is there a clearly marked trail you're on? And, and I want you to remember some of these things. And I want you to ask yourself when you get there, what are the markers in my life? What are the evidences that I'm, I'm following the Christian path? I'm on this Christian journey. Let me give you a few starters to help you out. First of all, the number one marker in your life, is there any faithfulness in your life? People sometimes begin to wander and they get lost and then they compound it by dropping their faithfulness. If you find yourself searching and grappling, just trying to figure out, am I headed in the right direction? Where am I going? My life is off track. It's uncentered. Well, check on your faithfulness. Is there faithfulness in your life? How's your church attendance? How's your commitment to supporting the church with your offerings, your tithing? How is your spiritual life? How are your devotions? How, is your, how are your overall commitments? Faithfulness. Faithfulness. 
And when you don't know what else to do and you can't see and maybe the fog is set in and you can't see to put one foot in the front of the other, you keep on being faithful. Faithfulness is one of the clearest indicators that you're still on the right path. You can't see the path. You don't feel it. You don't like it. You don't know where you're going, but you keep on going by faith. Faithfulness. And I can assure you, if you keep living faithfully, you keep coming to church, you keep praying, you keep giving, you keep serving, you keep on living by your consecrations and your commitments, just keep on being faithful. I assure you, you will not get lost. Now, you may not know where you're at right now, but I can assure you, you're not lost. You may not know what tomorrow holds. You may not know where the next turn is. You may not know what's going on in your life. But I assure you, you won't get lost if you remain faithful. Faithfulness. It's that, that hallmark flag that you can look for in your life. If you're not certain, if you don't know, just ask, am I faithful? And it's one of the first indicators something's wrong. It's one of the first indicators. You know, I think I might be lost. And it's one of the things that people let slide and they think they're okay. It's like, well, I just don't feel like going to church tonight. I just don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. I'm tired. I'm this. I'm that. I'm the other. You know what you're doing when you do that? You are slowly wandering off the trail. And you slowly wander, wander, wander. And then what happens, what happens is you wind up in a place and you have no idea how you got there. And things start caving in on you. And things start breaking down. And things stop working. And you're like, how did I get here? Because your faithfulness, you let your faithfulness go. Faithfulness. You just keep on going. Ask any of the old timers that come to church here. Ask any of the people that have been living for God 40, 50, 60 years. Ask them what the key is. It's faithfulness. You just keep on pushing. You just keep on serving. You just keep on doing. You just keep on living for God. Faithfulness. And sometimes we get the consumerist idea of Christianity in our minds that if we're not getting a certain thing or we're not having a certain result or if the church is not performing in a certain way or if this ministry, ABC, whatever, you know, whatever, then, then, then it gets all wrapped up and tangled up when in reality our responsibility is be faithful. You know who's been out of shape about the ministries of the church more than anybody else? Me. Yeah. You can't stop coming to church because, you know, I preached Sunday about, uh, you know, we're, we're God's children and the church is our mother. Sometimes, you know, we, we get mad at our brothers and sisters, so we take it out on, on our parents, right? I tell my mom and dad, I can't stand my brother anymore. I'm just not coming to your house anymore. That's dumb. But that's what people do with church. It's like we get mad at one of our brothers and sisters, so we take it out on our mother. Right? We, we let that faithfulness slide when circumstances come in. And we don't think it's a big deal because, you know, when, you, when you're on the trail and you're just like, okay, I'm just going to go over here for a minute. I'll, I'll be back. I'm just going to slide over here and see what this is over here. And then you get over here and it's like, oh, that's cool. I'll just go over here. I had an experience when I was a young teenager, I don't know, 12, 13, 14, I don't remember how old it was. My uncle was a foreman on a ranch out in uh, the hill country here in central Texas. 
And we would, you know, we'd load up the, the horses in the trailer and drive them to the back of the ranch, let the horses out, and then we'd go gather all the cows uh, and their, their, their calves, her, get them back to the, to the corral, separate the cows from the calves, take the calves to sell them, uh, and do other cruel things to them. It's really bad when you think about it, but that's what we did. So, look, you know, teenagers dream, you know, cowboy for a day, whatever. I remember uh, being on a horse one day, and we were riding, you know, doing our thing, and I remember, you know, I'm with these other guys. There's uh, several other ranch hands and all. We're all riding together. And I had a hat on, and I rode under a tree, and the tree caught my hat, knocked my hat off. So I got off the horse, picked my hat up. And when I got back up, everybody was gone. 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 It's me and a horse. So I got on the horse. And I thought, ah, just right over that hill, that's where they are. I rode the horse right over the hill, and there they were not. Totally lost because I got disoriented and I made a wrong turn. And when you stop being faithful, it will take you a little step at a time until you finally get to a point where you don't recognize where you are and you don't know how to get out of there. Faithfulness. It's the primary trail marker in your Christian walk. And when you're not sure what else is going on, if you're faithful, it's like the beacon in the night that's saying, come, come. You're headed in the right direction. Just keep on going. Keep walking. You're going to get there. Faithfulness. It's not complicated. I'm not saying your life is not complicated. I'm saying... Traveling in the Christian walk by faith, it's not complex. You keep on doing what's right. You keep on serving God. You continue to be faithful. Faithfulness. Here's another trail marker. Is there doctrinal integrity in your life? Do you still believe what got you this far? And we live in an interesting world. Uh, this postmodern era people refer to it as, which basically means there's no absolute authority, there's no absolute truth. That works really well unless you're an engineer and then it doesn't work. But, um, you know, all truth is sort of malleable and debatable. That's kind of the, the worldview. That's the way our kids are brought up in school. It's what they're taught. And we live in this, it, it, it's the same way even in Christianity. Those of you that are, say, 40, 50 years old or older, you remember a day when it meant something to be a Baptist or a Lutheran or a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Pentecostal? Now, it still does in some ways, but in general, it doesn't mean nearly what it used to mean. Everything's blurred, no, no matter if we agree with particular theologies or not. My point is, it used to be that Whatever you believed, whether, you, whether it was right or wrong, whatever you believed, it was extremely important, and you believed it. Now, it's like, yeah, whatever, you're good. And then, you know, you have the whole warehouse church thing where it's really, you know, about the worship event, and yeah, beyond that, you know, we'll give you ABCs, one, two, three, how to live a good life. But there's real no belief structure. There's no belief system. And one of the trail markers, if you're not sure if you're headed in the right direction, 
is to evaluate your doctrinal integrity. Do you still believe what got you here? There are some things that are foundational in our lives. And the Christian life is not just a, a, a big song service. It's built on this. This is foundational. And if this begins not to matter, you're wandering from the trail. If this begins to be a, well, don't really, really talk about that because some people disagree or it's a, you're wandering from the trail. Now, we don't need to be a, a antagonistic. We don't need to have a bad attitude and just go around arguing with everyone. But this matters. This is not up for negotiation. Doctrinal integrity. You know, I might just start teaching on Sunday mornings because the other ones that need to hear it are not here on Wednesday nights. You might just break out the Bible study chart on Sundays and tell them if they want the Holy Ghost, come on Wednesday. <laughs> you can get the Holy Ghost at a Bible study, by the way. If you're wondering if you're on track, what do you believe? If things that matter don't matter anymore or they matter less, then you're veering away from the trail. It's one of the way markers in your life that this matters. It matters who Jesus Christ is. It matters whether you have been born again or not. It matters whether or not you are walking in a life that's consecrated according to Scripture. That matters. It matters whether you're living a life of victory or a life of sin. It matters. And one of the signs, one of the, one of the, the way markers to, to help you understand if you're on the trail or not, or if you're wandering, is there doctrinal integrity? Do you understand these core fundamental doctrines that you may have believed for years, or are they just, do they just get shoved in the corner? It's like, well, that's not that important anymore. It will always be important. Doctrinal integrity. Number three. This is just a handful. We could talk about others. You may be thinking of others yourselves. Number three. Is there moral purity in your life? Is there moral purity in your life? Of course, most people immediately think about sexual purity, and that's true, but it goes far beyond that. Are you honest? Are you a person of integrity? Do things relating to uh, the, the, the way that we interact with people or, or our honesty, do, do, do we tell lies? You know, one of the interesting things uh, in the era that we live in, people seemingly have no issue at all just looking a pastor in the face and just lying. <laughs> just, no, wasn't me. Wasn't there. And it's like, bro, I got the pictures. I hate social media, but sometimes it's a gift. <laughs> By the way, if you do something dumb, this is just wisdom, okay? This, if you do something dumb, don't post it on social media. And by the way, if you're a leader in the church or want to be a leader in the church and you're living a life that's contrary to the teachings of the church, don't post pictures on social media. If you're watching this online, turn this up, rewind it, play it again. I mean, if you choose to live an alternative kind of way, but you want everybody to think that you're like in, don't go post it all on social media. Then you can have secrets between you and God, and that's up to you and Him. But is there moral purity? 
Is there moral purity? There are some lines you shouldn't cross. There are some things you shouldn't do, you shouldn't think, you shouldn't go there. There are boundaries, there's moral boundaries that ought to be in our lives. And if those start breaking down, if there's, if there's secret little relationships, or if there's little intentions, there's little stuff, that, that's a good indicator you're, you're getting off track. You're getting off track. It doesn't matter what happens in this room on Sunday. If that's happening on Monday or Thursday, you're in trouble. Is there, is there moral purity in your life? You know, the way that you interact in your, in your work and your businesses and your whatever dealings you have and, 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 and the ways that you, that you interact with stuff and, and all. You know, I, I had an insurance guy come out and look at our, our house this week. Our, our roof got destroyed in the last hailstorm, which uh, I'm kind of glad to get a new roof. But, um, you know, you start talking to contractors and get all this. He can get real shady real quick. Yeah? Moral purity. Now, I hope not. I'm going to try to negotiate. I'm not a good negotiator. It always breaks down. It backfires on me. You know, I'm not trying to make a deal before it's over. I'm like grabbing my wallet. You know, it's like, here, have you want some more money? Here, take it. I'm going to try to negotiate a really good deal, but I'm going to do it legally. I'm going to do it morally. Is there, is there moral purity in your life? Because what we confess with our mouths needs to be lived out in our lives. It's a trail marker. And if it doesn't, we find ourselves drifting, drifting, drifting. One shady deal, one shady conversation, one shady relationship, one thing off the books, one thing off the record, one text we hope nobody wants to see, swipe, delete, here, there, and the other. And before long, we're totally lost and don't know how we got there. Is there moral purity in your life? We don't bend rules. Number four, some of these overlap and are intertwined. Is there accountability in your life? Is there accountability in your life? Everybody wants a pastor till they get one. Everybody wants a leader till they get one. You really, really should be able to hand your phone to another human being and unlock it and just hand it to them. Can you do that right now to your wife, your husband, your child? Can you just hand them your phone and unlock it and let them look at whatever they want to look at, including your browsing history? I'm talking about trail markers. You want to stay on the trail. You want to keep walking in the right way. You want to know. See, these are little things that, that they creep into the life of a Christian and we keep coming to church and we keep feeling the presence of God. We're like Samson. We keep playing around with Delilah and then we keep tearing up stuff. So we feel good. We play around with her and then we flex our muscles and it's all good until it's not. By the way, that wasn't Samson's first little fling down with the Philistines. He kept playing, 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 playing. Still felt the presence of God, but he was playing on the side. And before it's over, he loses everything. Why? Because there's no accountability in his life. 
He's got secrets. Every human being needs someone in their life that can look them in the face and say, don't do that. They can say, stop it. Is there accountability in your life? It's one of the trail markers for the Christian life. Number five, do you have an appetite for spiritual things? Do you have an appetite for spiritual things? It's a trail marker. Sometimes you don't know where to go, but you still have a desire to live for God. Sometimes you don't know what's coming next, but you want to please God. That's a trail marker that says, hey, you just keep going. You're going to be okay. An appetite for spiritual things. A desire for there to be a great move of God. A desire to win a soul for Jesus Christ. A desire to be useful for the kingdom. A desire to see the kingdom prosper. A desire to see things happen in the church. A spiritual appetite. You know what kills appetite? When you eat junk. Your mom ever tell you to stop eating junk all day? Yeah, you, why? You're going to spoil your appetite. Do mom say that anymore? Yeah, I told you, it's fine. I'm a snacker. You know, I just go to the house Monday. First thing I do, walk in the house now, it's tortilla chips. And you just got chips and salsa. That's a staple. Whatever, just, just, you know, just, just snack, snack, snack. And I can't ever get home. Wife's cooking. She's got this elaborate meal. She's got pots and boilers and steamers and blow-up things. I don't know what this stuff's called. And she's over there, you know, it's like a lab. And she's making stuff. And I'm just over there snacking. And she'll tell me, you better stop snacking. Because she's afraid I'm not going to eat what she's cooked. Which is true. And the way to kill your spiritual appetite is to be munching on all this other stuff. If you don't desire the things of God, something has spoiled your appetite. All of this obsession with politics, all of this obsession with the news, like I told you Sunday, folks, they want us to hate each other. They want to divide us. They want us in little camps that don't like each other. I refuse to be that. I refuse to do that. I, I, I don't think you need to put a label on any entire group of people. That's horrible. We're all God's children. But this incessant appetite for, for the news and for politics and for the economics and, and poor Dr. Fauci and all this blah, 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 blah. Hey, you're, wetting, you're, you're not wetting your spiritual appetite. You're wetting some other appetites. And if you munch on junk all the time, you're not going to be hungry when it's mealtime. Is there spiritual appetite? Is there spiritual... What, you, you know what, what Paul said one of the signs of the end times would be? That people be lovers of pleasure. Nothing wrong with pleasure. God created us with the capacity to have pleasure. But he said what happens in the end times is that people will be lovers of pleasure. More than lovers of God. Appetite. It's one of those indicators... And I've seen people in their deepest, brokenest moments in their life, but there's still this desire, I want to live for God. I want to I be useful for the kingdom. And when I see that, I know it's a trail marker. Those people are going to be fine. Yes, they may be broken. They may be down. They may be out for a moment. But they're going to be fine. 
Because there's still that desire, there's still that hunger, that, that urgency. You gotta have something to live for more than the job you're on. You gotta have something to live for more than making money. There's gotta be a spiritual appetite. A desire to affect the world for the kingdom of God. A desire to be in fellowship with God. A desire to know Him, as Paul said. Desire to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of those show markers in our lives. An appetite. An appetite for spiritual things. These are trail markers. You should see them in your lives. There could be others. I'm sure there are. You can think of some. But it occurred to me the other day. It occurred to me the other day. All these little markers don't do you any good if you left the trail. Because the markers are on the trail. In other words, if you leave the trail, you're lost. And there are no markers. Once you get away from the Christian life, there are no markers to guide you. There's no plan B if you throw away plan A. There's not a plan A for super Christians. And then you decide, I don't like that one. And so I'm going to just walk off the trail. There are no markers over there. You're on your own. You're, you're, you're really on your own. And if you leave the trail, you're entirely by yourself. You're entirely by yourself. And then you have two options. You have two options then. First option is you find your way back. And if you ever get there, it's like that prodigal son who came to himself when he was feeding the pigs and eating what they were eating. And the Bible says he came to himself and he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more to eat than this? And he came to himself and he went back home. If you ever find yourself in that situation, try, try, try to find the trail again. Do whatever you have to do to get back in the Christian journey. The second thing you can do, I think I have some more stuff in here. I got all kinds of stuff in here I hope I never need. This little gym, this little gym. I hate wearing stuff around my neck, so anyway. That little gym. Every serious hiker, backpacker has one of these or something like it. It's a, uh, every little boy needs one too. This is a special whistle. Read a story, you may have heard it, they actually made a, a, a movie out of it called 127 Hours. A hiker who was hiking by himself, we'll talk about that next week, who you take with you on your hike. Hiking by himself in a, a rock about the size of a refrigerator fell on him and he had to actually cut his own arm off. This will keep you from having to do that. If you get lost, you start making some noise. If you get lost, you start reaching out to every person you know who's still on the trail. 
If you get lost, you start calling church people. If you get lost, you start blowing up people's phones and make however much noise you have to make until somebody hears you. Because it literally is a matter of life and death. If you get lost and don't know your way and can't find your way and you feel like there's no options and there's no solution, you start making enough noise so that somebody in this church, a pastor, a leader, a church member, somebody hears you crying. If you get lost, it, it, it is the church's responsibility to find you. But I wouldn't wait on them because they might be dull or not know where you're at. If you're lost, it's your responsibility to start making some noise. For you to start calling. For you to try to get back in this place. For you to pick up a phone, send an email, send a text, get on social media. Whatever it is, you may be embarrassed. It's okay. Stir it up until somebody finds you. Because there's always hope if you can be found that you can get back where you need to be with God. If you get desperate, if you get despondent, make the effort to reach out to someone. Make the effort to cling to someone that's walking by. And I want to remind us as a church, we have an obligation to listen to the cries of those that have lost their way. It was great on Mother's Day to see guests. I haven't seen them in forever. They were here in this place. That to me is a cry for help. I want the church to reach them. I want the church to grab them. I want the church to pull them back in. Why? They're lost and they don't know where to go. And it's our job as a church. It's our job to be that good Samaritan, to find that person that's wound up in the ditch, they're beaten, half dead, and, and left alone. It's our job to find that person and to help nurture them and get them back where they need to be. And let us not become so obsessed with our blessing and what we get out of church. You know, a lot of times when people fall out of church, it's because they're just thinking about themselves. It's like during COVID, I had so many people tell me, I'm lonely, I'm this, I'm that. And I said, well, fine, call somebody else that's lonely. If you'll start ministering to other people, it will satisfy. If you start ministering to other people, it will strengthen you. If you start reaching out to other people, it will bless you. And when people start falling away, I don't want our church just to be, go, well, well, they're not here. I don't know where they are. Yeah, this is, praise the Lord. Nice song. Love the music. Yeah, the preacher was good. No, 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 no. If they're not here, there should be, a, there should be a, 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 something in us that's tuned in, listening for a cry. Something in us that's tuned in that says, I'm going to go look for them. Something that's in us that says they can't, they can't be gone this long. Something's wrong. And we'll search for them. We'll go look for them. It's our responsibility to find those that have fallen away, those that have gone astray. You know, there's been times in our lives when all of us have been astray after we came to know the Lord. Times of darkness, times of confusion, times when we didn't understand, maybe even times when we fell into sin, times when our commitments waned, Times when we were wounded. Isaiah said, all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us. Beautiful psalm. Psalm 119, it's about the word of the Lord. You know that. It's a big psalm. The biggest psalm in the Bible. 
the halfway point of the Bible as we have it in our current form. It's right in the middle of Psalm 119. Just this wonderful psalm. But there's this verse in there that really stands out to me. And the psalmist says this. He says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. And it's a prayer. It's what comes next. It's sort of, sort of interesting. He says, I have gone astray like a sheep, like a lost sheep. But the prayer is what's next. He says, seek your servant. It's a prayer. He's saying, I'm lost. Come find me. It's the psalmist saying, I've wandered away and I don't know where I'm at. And he's crying out to God and he's saying, come find me. There's times when you get lost and a church can't help you for whatever reason. Or you can't find them and they can't find you. But you can cry out to God. And if you ever get lost, pray, God, come find me. The psalmist, it's a beautiful psalm. Maybe a psalm of David, but he said, I'm lost like a sheep. Sheep are kind of dumb. <laughs> My brother's had some before, and they're really dumb. And he says, I got lost like a sheep. He says, come find me. There's times when we don't know how to get back. There's times when the compass just doesn't work. There's times where we've gone over one too many hills and we don't know the way back. And we're so far, no one can hear us. But we can say, come find your servant. Hey, didn't he find you in the first place? How bad were you when he found you the first time? How deep? Yeah. If he could find you then, he can find you now. Don't give up on him now. He still knows where you are. You may not know where he is, but he knows every sparrow that falls to the ground. And he knows every one of his sheep. Praise God. I want us to stand. We're out of time. If you get lost, make some noise and get back here. And church, would you go after those that, that you know are lost? You're the Wednesday night group. You're here a lot. You know some that you haven't seen in a while. Don't I, I even at times over the last year and a half have made the mistake of assuming, well, they're not here because of COVID. And I'm finding out there's a few that that's not why they're not here. Go after them. Go after them. Go pull them in. Send them a note, send them a text, at least pray for them. Why? We're going to pull them back. We're going to get them back. Praise the Lord. I want us to pray together. Would you give thanks to the Lord because you're here tonight? Would you give thanks to the Lord because that in times where you were lost, He found you? Would you give thanks to Him tonight because there's always hope in God? God, I thank You for Your faithfulness tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you search for us. I thank you for a loving church, for a loving body that also searches for people, Lord, when they're lost, when they go astray. Lord, I pray that all of us would have the, the reflection, the introspection to know when we have stumbled away from where we should be. 
And Lord, that we would take the steps, the measures to get back on track, that we would, Lord, make sure that there are those markers in our lives of faithfulness and of loving your word and of this doctrinal integrity and moral purity and a desire for the things of God, a hunger, an appetite for the things of God, that there's spiritual accountability in our lives. I pray that you would order our steps. I pray that you would guide us. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Sunday's coming. Looking forward to it. Again, Brother Tess Stewart will be with us. You want to be here? Invite someone. Invite someone to be with you. And uh, we'll see you, if not before, we'll see you then. God bless you. Go in the fear of the Lord.